I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Alright folks, welcome back for another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Busy week in sports here as we uh, inch closer to the return of sports um, here in North America as we have some European sports already started, the Bundesliga and other sports uh, alike. So Dutch, come on in here. How are you doing this week, Dutch? Top shelf. Ready for a, a, a fantastic episode. I can't wait to talk AFC East. Uh, I know uh, that's on our minds. Football uh, is getting ready to start their uh, their camps, so let's uh, let's get this thing rolling. Perfect. So uh, before we get into our, our huge special guest here on this week's episode, uh, let's deal with the hot news. We gotta we gotta get the hot news right out of the way. Dutch, half a billion dollars, ten years, twelve year extension or twelve years they got him under contract now. Uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback, MVP, league MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think it was a genius deal myself. I think uh, when you start to break down the numbers and and the way they structured the contract, uh, they've got him now, like I said, for 12 years on an average of about $42 million a year. I know that's laughable, but when you look at what the going rate for starting quarterbacks is and uh, starting quarterbacks who can win championships – in five ten years, uh, this could be a good valued contract. Yeah, if we take sports and you take everything out of the equation, nobody deserves that kind of money. But in in sports, if if people are willing to continue to to, to spend a hot ticket and the sponsors are stepping up and it's it's going only going to get bigger and bigger, salary caps going up, things are going crazy. Four hundred and seventy seven million. That's the the largest in in that's guarantees. That's the largest in NFL history. No, does anybody deserve that kind of money? No. But it is what it is. He's the best quarterback. And like you said, look at the other quarterbacks. What, who would you rather have? Yeah, you look at some of those other guys. Um, you know, Dak Prescott wants to be in that 35 to $37 million. Uh, you got Cousins at 30 plus million, uh, fully guaranteed. I'm, I'm going to take Mahomes all day long at, at $42 million. And if you look at some of these, these upcoming years, um, and this is why Kansas City did it. Uh, he's at 39, 42, 41. That's not that bad. And if the cap can get upwards of 200 million, that's the key. The cap has to get there because if it doesn't, it's going to fall into what we argued back a couple months ago before we started talking division talks. That's too much money for one player. And in three, four years from now, if they if the cap doesn't continue to go up, how is KC going to be sustainable at the top? Right. Look at. You know, arguably the the best franchise going in the last twenty years, fifteen years is the Patriots and how they structured Brady's contract and how they structured their team. You look at Mahomes, great. They have a they they're going to be in there for the next four or five years. But then after that, you know, where where are they going to sit? Are they going to be able to put the proper pieces in there in order to continue to be a championship level contender? Yeah, and and I think they're they're betting a little bit on themselves and Andy Reid. To be able to replace some of these guys, yeah, you're gonna, you eventually might have to see the cheetah walk. You, you know, he may leave. Yep. Uh, Tyree Kill, you may move on from Kelsey four, five, six years down the road. Um, that's just a part of NFL football sure, and running a business. Um, but what Andy Reid, I think, believes is, is that Mahomes is his guy, and I can structure and scheme around him. To even though I may not have the best skilled players, if they're at a certain level, if they're good enough, Mahomes is going to make them that much better, and that's that's what a lot of teams gamble on. Yeah. Like that's what Green Bay gambled on, sure. and it hasn't worked out with Rodgers. Um, Seattle's done the same thing. 
uh, they've had some success, but obviously haven't been able to get yeah. back and win that title. But yeah. I think that's just what you have to gamble on. And when you get those guys, you got to make sure that you lock them up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's it's just crazy the, the the dollars that come through these sports and all these top athletes, right? When I mean, we thought Trout had a had a big one in MLB, you know, A Rod back in the day. Yep. It's only going to continue to get uh, bigger and bigger. So good for him. Congratulations. He deserves it. And uh, you know what? Good luck to them. I, I hope uh, I hope it's going to be sustainable. That's really where I'm coming down to. Yeah, and that's that'll be the uh, the test of time to see if they can uh, add championships to that one they won last year and, and keep it going. Yeah. Because um, like you said, the Patriots were the only ones that uh, were able to do it, and they did it in a different way by Brady taken uh some some hometown discounts sure. along the way yeah but dutch i'm i'm super excited i'm i'm jacked up here usually i'm uh wearing my golf attire or <laughs> something different but i'm so excited i got i had to wear my homer jersey i got a kyle williams jersey on right now solid all jacked up um let's get to our guest let's do it um buffalo bills sideline reporter sal capaccio WGR 550, huge contributor on there, writing articles on the website, um, on there on a daily basis, talking Buffalo Bills football, huge Syracuse Orange fan, um, always going to the games, and football aficionado, Sal Capaccio. Has his own podcast, too. He's been rocking and rolling with it. Um, Sal, are you on the line with us? I'm here, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks again so much for coming on. We, uh, We truly do appreciate it here on Ginger and Dutch. You got it. So, Sal, what uh, what I wanted to do is just give a quick uh, background of, to our listeners as to uh, you know how you got started and and how you got uh, where you are with the Bills. How did you uh, how did you land the uh, the sideline gig? Well, look, I mean, we could talk for an hour about you know how I really eventually landed up where I am doing what I'm doing in the media and all of that. Uh, but the long story short is, I, I grew up here in Buffalo in Western New York. I was a Bills and Sabres fan my whole life, season ticket holder for the Bills, went to Syracuse University, took a Greyhound bus back to all the home games during the Super Bowl years. I was a poor college student, Uh, went to Florida to start my, I went to Syracuse University, went to Florida to start my radio career. I was at a small station down there. You know, weren't, I wasn't advancing and being, you know, I wasn't going to ESPN within three years, which everybody thinks they're going to do. I think in this business, when they get in, um, I was getting frustrated. So I left the business. I became a high school teacher and football coach down there in Florida for 10 years, but I always had the itch to, you know, be back in radio and do it in Buffalo, my hometown. And luckily I basically, um, I married, I, I met someone at the university of South Florida when I went back to be a teacher and, uh, she became my wife and she was fine with moving if we wanted to move. And she's the one that said, look, if you really want to go, bu- go back to Buffalo, let's do it. So I made a few phone calls, uh, came back to Buffalo in 2011 to work part-time at WGR um, and that was, um, you know, dropped everything living in Florida, having a great life playing golf twice a week and said, no, I'm going to do this. Came back in my mid thirties and guys, a year after I came back, um, the bills who were on a different radio station at the time, they, yep. um, the, 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 that radio station, that company went bankrupt. So they had the rights for the bills came up and we grabbed them and I had just started at WGR. So people were putting things in place and they're like, Hey, we got this guy, Sal, he's good at football. He knows his stuff. I started to do stuff on, I was on the broadcast. I was really just helping out in the booth at the time with John Murphy, giving him stats and things like that. And then uh, Joe Biscaglia was the sideline reporter. Joe right. eventually yep. moved on to TV and went to channel seven and um, the sideline gig came open and I, I got it. And then uh, eventually I became the full-time beat reporter and sideline reporter. So that's the, that's the short story of the long story. That's amazing stuff, and I just you just threw in golf there. Are you any good? Uh, I'm not sure if Ginger told you, but we're we're both fellow golf professionals. So uh, do you have any game? We'll get you up uh, to Canada here. Oh, love it! Played in Canada one time. Don't remember the course. Uh, yeah. Played up there with um, Jay Skursky, the Buffalo News, and Mike Rodak, who was at ESPN at the time, and someone else. And uh, we had a really good time. I loved that. Nice. We'll have to get you for a golf game for sure. So let's listen. Let's talk. Um, let's talk. I know you're, you're, you make no qualms about it. You're, you're a homer. I know obviously you're professional when, when you're, when you're on the sidelines and doing all the reporting, but what do we think? Uh, we both have the bills winning the division this year. Where do you, uh, where do you see, what's the outlook this year for, uh, for the bills in your opinion? Look, I mean, I think because of the situation we're in coronavirus pandemic, all of that, there's a lot to be determined. There are a lot of question marks, but I think the Bills are in a, a great position competitively compared to everyone else because, you know, they're mo- compared to most teams in the NFL because they have such a returning group, a nucleus, coaches, players, everything. Um, they have the same 
head coach, same coordinator, offensive and defense coordinator, same quarterback, offensive line is returning. You, know, you can't say the Jets are overhauling their entire offensive line. The Dolphins brought in all these different free agents. The New England Patriots lost the greatest quarterback in the world and are replacing him. And, you know, Cam Newton's coming in and not having the acclimation period. So I think that really plays into the Bills' favor. But on top of that, even if that wasn't the case, guys, I just think if you look 53 man for 53 man, I think the Bills have the best roster of anybody yeah. in the AFC East. So, yeah. you know, no, they, they, there's a reason why that they're, they were installed as the betting line favorites for a while. And now that's changed a little bit since the addition of Cam in New England. But, um, you know, I, I think it all – I really do think, though, it's all going to come down to this year. A lot of it, I should say, is going to come down to how each individual team handles this situation. But I think the Bills are in a much greater position to be able to handle it more successfully. Yeah, continuity is going to be huge for it, and 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 you guys are getting hit a little bit harder uh, in the states with uh, with the virus. We're we're kind of starting to see uh, us moving in the right direction. So you are right with that. That's that seems like it, it will be the best fit um, as as the season starts. Let's hope it starts on time. Um, I, I do think the fan issue, uh, you know, may play a role with with the Bills with um, you know some of the primetime games and that we have a you know there's a huge huge crowd favorite on that end. So without any fans in the stands, it kind of might hinder uh, some of their big games. But in in the end, uh, I, we have them winning the division. I have them beaten. Uh, I have them going five and one in the division and, and taking care of things. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's it's going to be it's going to be tough to still you know sweep everybody. Obviously, that just doesn't happen a lot. But you could make yeah. an argument, you know that the Bills have an opportunity here for the first time to really get to something like five wins in the AFC East. And, you know, I think that would obviously take sweeping the Dolphins. It would be disappointment, I think, at this point, if you don't do that. And I think you expect to, you expect to sweep the Jets at the very least, you break even, even with the Patriots. If you, I think with the Patriots, it comes down to just don't get swept. If it's one and one, you where they are right now, I think you might want to take that. But you, if you're going to do that, you got to sweep the Dolphins and hopefully sweep the Jets. But sure, I, I think that um, they have an opportunity here to win five games in the division. Yeah, for sure. There, there's no doubt about that. That'll be my homer uh, belief for sure. Sal, um, you touched on it briefly a little bit with Cam Newton and, um, you know, going to the Patriots. But um, in the division and, and looking at the, the AFC East in its entirety, um, who do you believe was the most significant pickup? Each team's kind of had their you know, their, their big hit with, uh, you know, Patriots getting cam, the bills getting Stefan Diggs, um, the dolphins with Byron Jones, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact, uh, from a free agent perspective or a draft perspective on, uh, the teams in the AFC East? Well, I think there's a twofold answer and I do think it's Diggs for the bills because like, look, that's why you spend a first round pick on him. You know, if you, if you trade a first round pick for a player, that's obviously a significant impact, right? I mean, that's something that you are, the Bills aren't doing this to not use Stephon Diggs, right? I mean, one of the things I, I tell people all the time who say, well, how many football, they're, they're, they're a running team. I'm like, look, if they're going to be a running team after spending a first round pick on Stephon Diggs, they shouldn't have made the trade. I mean, you make the trade because you're going to use him and he's going to be an impact for you. That That's why you do it. And I think we all saw last year how much John Brown and Cole Beasley helped Josh Allen move from year one to year two. Well, now right. you add in Stephon Diggs to go to year three. And I think really because it's not just the impact – in the division on the bills necessarily. It's also the impact on your young franchise quarterback. I think that's really the significant impact that he makes there. And the bills were right there. They out guys, they all played the Patriots for, I'd say six out of eight quarters, maybe even seven out of eight quarters last year, but they lost both games. Right. I mean, it's just because yep. of a couple different plays here or there, they're right there. The other one though, I think is super interesting is I think Tua Tua in the division is really interesting. Ah. And you know, that's because I don't know when he's going to play. You got this, this injury he's coming off of, you have other injuries he's had, but then you don't have the acclimation process with him, with his teammates. You have maybe not the medical type of evals that they can have on him during normal offseason. So the question is, when does he play? And then when he does play, I think there's a lot of mystery about how good he's going to be. I think a lot of people believe. I've talked to people in the league who think he's extremely talented. He has a really good chance to be really good. But I think there's a lot of concern about injuries and size and things like that. And they made a lot of changes there in Miami. So I think long-term, you look you look at everything that happened this year, long-term Tua might be the most significant impact, but I'm still not sure. I want to know what that looks like. That's a really interesting one for me. But for 2020, I think it's Stefan Diggs. That's great stuff. Yeah, we talked about uh, the quarterback situation. We were arguing, uh, you know, who would who's the you know the best out of the we'll say the five in the in the division if you uh, count two in there. Um, 
we feel Josh Allen's, you know, progressed the most over the first couple of years with his, uh, with his career. And I think he's going to excel even this year, but is there enough ball to go around Sal? That's the key. You know, I, I'm, I am a Vikings fan as well. And, and, and losing digs kind of helped the, the Vikings in my opinion. Um, is he, is he going to be a team player? Is he going to suck out or is he, is there enough ball to go around? I think it's going to help uh, Beasley and Brown if Diggs can, you know, if he wants to be a part of this process. Well, I think it's two different questions. Uh, are there enough balls to go around? Um, you know, that's going to fall on two people. Uh, that's going to fall on obviously Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator and how he's going to structure his game plans and things like that. It's also going to fall on Josh Allen. You know, yeah. it's funny. We had, we had Jim Kelly uh, on, um, you know, WGR a few weeks ago and Eric yeah. Molds also was on at a separate time. And they both kind of said something similar, which is, you know, and remember, Eric Moulds played with Drew Bledsoe, and there's Peerless Price on that team. They threw the ball all over the place, and you know, and Eric Moulds even said, like, you got to have the right quarterback who's got to who's got to talk to these guys the right way. And you know, Jim Kelly even said that. Like, Jim Kelly had a really funny line. He said Andre Reed would come back to the huddle every play and say, "Jim, I was open," and he'd say, "Andre, it was a run play." So I mean, like, that's how much guys want the ball, right? Because they're open <laughs> even on run plays. So I, I think it takes that personality, and you know. I don't know if Stefan Diggs is going to get frustrated if he's not getting the ball. I don't know if he's going to get frustrated if he's not getting it on target from Josh Allen. But I think the Bills feel very comfortable in the person they're getting, not just the player they're getting in Stefan Diggs. You don't make this trade without fully vetting it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Terrence Gray is a scout for the Bills who was with the Vikings when they traded uh, when, when they drafted Stefan Diggs. And I can tell you, Terrence Gray had a lot of input on who Stefan Diggs as a person. He has connections still to Minnesota. You don't make this trade without understanding what kind of player you're going to get. And I also think you don't make this trade without knowing that you have a quarterback who's going to be able to go to him and go, hey, man, right now they're double teaming you. Don't worry. Third quarter, I got you. You know, you got to be able to massage that. And then overall, yeah. I think it's on Brian Dable to really incorporate a game plan that, you know, the Bills can't be the, what, seventh most run heavy offense in the league this year. They're going to have to throw it. They're going to have to open it up. They're going to have to allow for more opportunities. And then finally, guys, on this a long-winded answer, but I think what it really does here is you mentioned Brown and Beasley. Diggs allows them to all play their natural positions better. Brown is exactly. not a true number one. Brown is a number two. He goes there. Now you have uh, – who are you going to double? Are you going to double – Stefan Diggs, that's fine because John Brown, one-on-one, -on -one, I think is a great matchup for the Buffalo Bills. Then you have Dawson Knox, an emerging tight end if you want, and the Bills are not afraid to throw it to Devin Singletary or Zach Moss, whoever it's going to be, out of the backfield as well. So I think all of that, at the end of the day, you're probably not getting 100 catches for any one receiver, and they're all going to have to be cool with that. But I also think that they're going to have opportunities to make plays. Yeah, amazing. That's great insight for our listeners, Sal, really breaking it down there nicely. Um Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, because I know the, the sexy thing to do is talk offense, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a defensive guy through and through. Has this defense gotten better? Um, I know they lost uh, Zoe due to retirement. They lost Shaq. They lost um, Jordan Phillips coming off a career year, but they've gained some nice pieces quietly here in free agency, uh, some depth pieces as well. Um, is there any way this defense has gotten better? You know, I think they get better in one regard every year, which is the continuity piece that we talked about. I, I think last year what I saw from a defense that, you know, two years in a row was outstanding, obviously one of the best in the league in different metrics, metrics in different ways. What they did last year, a little bit different, they kind of built on their playbook, so to speak, right? I mean, now they, they had that, that group had been together two or three years. They started to use guys in different places more often who were more comfortable. Tremaine Edmonds started to blitz a little bit more as the season went on. Um, they, right. were able to, they were able to move guys inside and outside. They were able to use Saran Neal in the box as a depth player when he came in and filled in as a nickel corner. Then he played an outside corner. He played safety. Different guys could play different things. And I think that, you know, the point of being better, you can measure that by stats all you want. But I think that they're – they are just open to be able to do so much that can really hinder an offense. You know, you take a look at Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. There's no, in the NFL these days, there's no true free safety or strong safety like the old days. But yep. these guys, you know, they can just play either side. They can move back. They can move up. They talk to each other. It's very confusing for an offense because they're so good at knowing what the other is doing all the time. And Leslie Frazier gives them a lot of free reign to kind of do that, to mix things up. So I think in that sense, they're better. Statistically, look, I would say this to Bills fans. The Bills defense might not be as good statistically this year. But you know why? Because the offense will score more points, hopefully, which Absolutely. means that other offenses have to attack a little bit more, which puts you in a more vulnerable position. So I think what you're going to see at the end of the day this year for the Bills defense is 
Still a very, very good defense. It's going to keep them in and even help them win several games. Statistically, they won't necessarily be near the top, but I bet you they may make, they make more big plays, though, because they'll have opportunities for sacks. They'll have opportunities for pick sixes and things like that. The Bills were the only defense in the entire NFL last year, guys, to not Without. score. Did you know that? Not score. Yep. Down. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. I think those things come come by a little bit a little bit better this year. Oh, for sure. Especially with points on the board, you got right. it. There's going to be, you, it makes, it absolutely makes the, the perfect sense for that comment. Uh, so who scares you then? Um, I know you, you we, we mentioned Patriots, but who scares you the most to compete against the Patriots? And we'll kind of, and then we got a fun little question at the end here, but, but who scares you? Is it the Patriots or do you think the whole division is going to be competitive? Well, I'll just run through them real quick. I think the Patriots, to me, um, are still a very good football team because they have Bill Belichick and they do still have a very good defense and he's a great defensive mind. Um, but, man, their offense just has not gotten better. And I mean, you could say they got Cam Newton. That's fine. But look who the weapons were last year and they haven't really upgraded. And they didn't have yeah. much as yeah. far as weapons last year, right? So I, I still think they're going to have to win lower scoring games and they're probably fine with that. They understand that. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have Cam Newton give them a chance to you know, make some more plays. Uh, but, but yeah, I, they're still a, a very good team. Who's very well coached. I still think the bills have a better roster right now. The jets are interesting to me because I think the jets could be very good. Their offensive line is not, you know, it's a lot of question marks. They're overhauling it. Their corner situation isn't very good, but also guys, I think what holds them back is just their head coach. I, I'm not an Adam Gase fan. I don't think he's a very good leader. I don't think he's very well respected. And I think as long as he's their head coach, not only has he hurt their team, I think he hurts Sam Darnold's development. I'm a Sam Darnold fan. I think he's been really hampered by the organization he's been in, however. And then, you know, the Dolphins are kind of a wild card. You know, I'll say this about the Dolphins. They did a nice job of gaining pieces and bringing in guys who I think that they can really, they think really can help. But two things are going to hurt them. Number one, they have a complete overhaul of their coaching staff outside of head coach. And in this situation, that's not good, right? I mean, you're going to have yeah. lots of guys coming in, getting familiar with coaches off the bat, like everybody pretty much changed out. But the other thing is, tell me who the quarterback is. Is it Fitz for 14 games? Is it Tua for 12 games? Is it – I don't know who it is. But even if it's Fitz, is Ryan Fitzpatrick good enough to win this division as a 16-game starter? I don't think he is, given the rest of that roster. Is Tua Tunga Viola coming, coming out of college in his situation, is he good enough to win the division as a 16-game starter? I don't think he is either. So I think the bills are the, I think the Patriots are probably the, the team that you would say would be the bills and the Patriots most likely at the top, but I don't discount the jets because I think they have talent, but I think their head coach holds them back. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned that we, uh, uh, Dutch has made that wide out in the open, uh, that, uh, he does not trust Adam Gase either, uh, from a coaching perspective and nor do I, um, do you, do you think, is there anything that can hold the bills back? Uh, from winning this division, like uh, this is as deep as roster as I've seen in Buffalo for for over a decade now. Um, is there anything that's going to be able to stop them, or do you do you got this as a lock? Oh, and it's not a lock for sure. And obviously, the first thing is injuries, but that goes for anybody, right? You can never predict. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean, that's the easy answer out here. Look, guys, it's Josh Allen. I mean, if Josh Allen doesn't take another step, um, then I think that they could be you know, in a situation where they're having to struggle to win some games, given the schedule they have, right. And given, yep. you know, uh, the additions they made and how they won't be necessarily as impactful, like Stefan Diggs, basically, you know, getting Zach Moss, you know, how you want to do all this stuff. Dawson Knox, can he take, yeah, you know, I think, you know, his success to, to year two is probably depending on what Josh can do from year two to year three, things like that, but it's Josh Allen. And I, I think Josh Allen made a really big jump last year. You, know, you talk about Darnold now and they came in the league, the same time, obviously, I think Darnold, yeah. Darnold came in the league polished. You know, he went to he was the a, the freshman of the year in the Pac-12. He was groomed from <laughs> since he was a little boy to play quarterback in the National Football League, went to all the elite eight camps. He played high level college football and national stages. Josh Allen wasn't he wasn't highly recruited. He went to a very small high school in California, had to go to the Juco route, went to Wyoming. So Josh, yeah. as one former player said to me last year during a game, uh, a pregame when we were doing uh, talking on the sidelines, a former player said to me, Josh was an infant when he came into the NFL compared to some of these other guys. Well, guess what? I think Josh caught up very quickly to Sam Darnold and to Baker Mayfield last year. The question is, can he keep going? Because if he doesn't, that's what could hold him back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's going to keep going. And, and you touched on it too, the, the depth of the team this year, injuries obviously is key across the board, but the depth uh, we've always talked about it. Uh, 
Ginger and I, Bills are typically, they don't have a lot of depth. And when injuries go down, they, they go down. Um, but, but it's changed the last couple of years. So amazing insight before we, uh, we let you go. We just, um, just a little bit of fun, uh, you know, where, what's your favorite city that you've traveled to? Um, I myself, uh, we're, we're obviously diehard football fans. I've been to 17 different stadiums myself as a fan. Where do you, where do you, wh- as far as tailgates, do you ever go out into the, the crowd beforehand? Do you ever go out to the, what's your best place? So I can't do that. Unfortunately, I can't go out okay. to the tailgates. Like, so I'll just give an insight to my day and how it starts. So I, because I'm the uh, sideline reporter, I'm the reporter on the flagship station. Um, I travel with the team. I'm on the team plane. Okay. I stay at the team hotel. So I take a bus with, um, I'm not on the player's bus. I take an early bus is what they call it. There's a couple of players actually like Lorenzo Alexander. He's a friend of mine. I'll say, cause he's old. He was old. He has to get there and stretch early, you know? Um, no, he, uh, <laughs> he's one of the guys, the, the specialists there, those guys are on my bus, but basically it's some media. Um, it, yep. it's in-house like, you know, John Murphy, whatever people like that. We get there early. So I, I get to these stadiums early. Once we pull in into the stadium, you know, I can't leave. I I'm in, I'm, I'm yep. in there. I'm in clothes, but I pull in and I see at eight o'clock in the morning. Generally, by the way, this is, you know, you see people already tailgating out there and it's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, so I can't go out there and say that, but I will say the night before I can go out, I can enjoy myself. I try to, you know, not do that too much. Cause I have to work in the morning and you want to have a good broadcast and, you know, don't want to put yourself in a situation that you're going to regret in the next morning as well. Um, so I will say, you know, going out the, the greatest spot, that I've been to so far in my six years on the sidelines, the best city I've ever been to as far as Bills fans was Nashville last year. It was just unbelievable. I've never yeah. seen anything like that with fans from another team in a city just taking it over. It was just amazing, the red, white, and blue that was all throughout that city, no matter where you went, all night. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, so we'll – the way my job works. But, yeah, it's cool. You know, I get to – I have a lot of really awesome, you know, perks basically because of what I do. Uh, But at the same time, you know, one of the things I'm going to say, it's, I I don't want to sound bad. It's not a drawback necessarily, but you know, other media who cover the team, they, they go on their own to these cities. So, you know, they, they could spend more time in some of these cities, literally the way it works for me because I'm with the team is if we have a one o'clock game and you know, I don't know against the jets, we fly out of Buffalo noon on Saturday and we get into these cities, not until three, four o'clock on Saturday evening. So I, I don't have any time to spend in any of these cities. Really. Yeah. 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 And then you're, like you said, you're into the stadium by eight, eight o'clock and eight o'clock in the, the morning. Game. And then as soon as the game is over, we literally get on a bus at the stadium. It takes you right to the airport and get on a plane, and go home. Back. So obviously, yes, yeah, Sal, great insight there to, for on the AFC East to all of our listeners out there. Um, and Dutch and I would like to uh, personally thank you for, for coming on the ginger and Dutch podcast it means a lot to us. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me. It's an honor. Shout out there to Sal Capaccio for joining us on the uh, the Ginger and Dutch podcast. That uh, that meant a lot for me. I'm uh, a homer, as most of you know, for the Buffalo Bills. And to have uh, him on, listening to him all the time on WGR 550, on his podcast, Sal and Sports. Um, thanks again to Sal. Pretty exciting moment, eh, Dutch? Yeah, it was It was nice to have somebody that, that, that you know, as a true homer, but you know what, he, he knows his stuff inside and out. Um, it was a great land. Uh, kudos to you again for uh, for doing the legwork and and thanks again for coming on, Sal. We uh, we certainly appreciate it. And we'll stay up to up to date with your podcast. And um, hopefully, when we get going to football games, uh, we may zip down. Uh, we're in section one ten now, so we may zip down to the uh, the far end zone there and maybe see you on the way out uh, on the sidelines. So, right on. Dutch, uh, I think this week's your turn to start, so let's uh, let's fire it up. I know we touched a little bit with Sal um, on the division, but we focused more just on the Buffalo Bills and, and football in general. But um, well, of course we did. That's 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 all you. And and I know you were just so jacked, and you you went so deep there. It's and I can't even imagine where you're going to go here when we start talking uh, uh, division. I know you've got them on the top, and so do I. Listen, uh, I think this year uh, they're going to be very competitive. I think the the the, the whole division is going to be fairly competitive with the exception of um, the Jets. I think the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets are still going to suck, suck, suck. And uh, it starts at the top. Uh, Adam Gase, I just don't know how he's still coaching. Um, I, I've picked him in at about 5-11. and 11. Um, Just talk to me. Key pickups. Who? They picked up Perryman. Really? And they lost Anderson. So there's a wash. It does nothing for me. 
Um, I know they got a good stud out of USC uh, in Denzel Mims, but it's going to take some time for him to go. I think it's a big, big rebuild. I know they're trying to rebuild their O-line. Um, listen, we've talked about Le'Veon Bell. You know, he's coming off the worst career, uh, as you and I both predicted last season. We knew he was going to have a terrible season. Uh, you know, and I know they signed a few guys um, to, to shore that up. I just, I just don't see them making any improvements in the in the in the in the division. Darnold, yeah, okay, he had mono last year, and we got into a big conversation at the at the golf course about oh, he would have been you know one of the best quarterbacks in the in the division. But I just can't see him progressing. Unlike Allen, I mean, he doesn't have enough weapons. He doesn't have enough pieces there. I just don't see it. Yeah, you nailed it. They tried to rebuild that offensive line, um, shipping a whole bunch of guys out, uh, some veterans, Ryan Khalil, Calvin Beecham, and draft, you know, some free agent pickups in Fant, drafting, uh, you know, the human wall, as they call him, in Mackay Becton out of Louisville. But but you got Van Rotten, you got yeah. McGovern from uh, at the center from Denver. Sure, there, there are a couple pieces. Yeah. But they've got a gel. They got a gel right away, That's right. and that usually takes some time with, with offensive line. Yep. And um, I, th- to me, that seems like their plan is to try to find a way to get Le'Veon Bell going. Because I've got on my my sheet here my notes: um, wide receiver and who? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Yep. Robbie Anderson walks out the door. Um, they have nobody to throw to. They got nobody to throw to. Nobody. Nobody, to throw to. nobody, at, nobody at tight ends uh, position. Nobody. Anywhere in any of those skill positions, yeah, up stacking the line and and, and shutting down Levy Bell like uh, like most teams did last year, and and you're leaving Darnold out there uh, on in, third and long, on third and long in the wash, and I yeah. just don't see anything happening on there, right? Sure, you know the, their defense, okay, yeah, I you think C.J. Mosley getting hurt last year is a huge one yep. in the middle, but um, I him coming back is not going to like push them over the. No, edge. they got a good linebacking core, and their secondary is yeah. pretty good, and it was last year. But who's going to go after the quarterback? Yeah. That's that's like there's nobody there. That's that's I, I don't even know where they were last year on on sacks. I think they were like worse than the league last year for sacks. Yeah, um, I just don't see anybody there. Nope, and I agree. I, I had them at six and ten, taking a step back. The seven and nine was skewed. They played a, a Buffalo Bills team in, in week seventeen that practically handed them a win. Didn't yep. start anybody because they were already locked into that five spot yep. to play Houston. Um, so that was really to me a six and ten football team. Yep. They didn't get any better. Yeah. Um, so where do we go here? This is going to be interesting. I think we might actually agree with some of this today. Where do we go here? I have, I know they've talked about tank for Lawrence, but I just don't see it happening. I mean, Bill Check's not going to allow that happen, especially with the addition of Cam now. I got the Pats in third. I really do. I got them at 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight at best. I think their schedule's really tough, which we obviously already know. It makes yep, sense the because division of where they were. got a tough year, you for sure. It. You know, but Belichick does have the tools to, to win. You know what? you you got to look back. And I know I'm not a guy that likes to look back in years, but, you know, sure, Brady is, is, is the GOAT. Um, but... Is Belichick actually the brains and does Belichick have it? He proved he could do it when Castle took over back in 05, I think it was. No, 08. Okay. He, Castle took him to 11 and 5. When he got hurt in 15, he still had who? Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, Brisket? But, but, but Dutch, you look at that 11 and 5 roster. I've talked to a couple people about that and they keep bringing that up. Uh, Matt Castle, 11 and 5. You look at that roster. It was stacked. You got Brandy Moss. I know. You got Wes Welker. I know. You got Willie McGinnis. I know. That, there's four or five Hall of Famers on that roster. I know. He I was know. not asked to lead the team the way he, the way Cam Newton or Jared Stidham's going to be asked to lead this team. Right. Right. And that's why, you know, if if, it, if Bill Check wasn't out there, I. I I might even put them down with the Jets at five and eleven. I might have them way way down there. You know, this could have been the worst off season that they have had in their history as far as where they, you know, who they lost. Right? I mean, one of their biggest. They lost two major guys on D as well. Oh, their front their front seven is that was absolutely just taken away from them. Decimated. Yeah. Decimated. They've got two, arguably two of the best guys in the secondary. They got McCordy, they got Gilmore. The secondary is still strong. But no the rest of that. the pieces there, what's going to happen with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, for me it comes down to I get it. Like a couple of those pieces on defense are are his his switch switch army blades. Um Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, these these guys are they do everything. Yeah. They they drop into coverage, they rush the passer, they he schemes specifically for them. Yeah. Um I never doubt Bill Belichick. Even though there's not superstars on that front seven, he's still got a strong secondary. He drafts Duggar um, out of uh, Lenore Van Ryan. 
um, and he goes and gets a pickup in Adrian Phillips from the Chargers. So he's he's strengthened that, and that secondary's got depth. He's going to be able to, to scheme and work that front seven that it won't be that bad. Yeah. I think, for me, it comes down to the fact of can Cam Newton be an above-average passer from the pocket? This guy's 31 years old now. Um, Josh McDaniels has shown us that he can scheme for these types of quarterbacks with the same skill set that Cam Newton has. Jacoby Brissett was the prime example. Um, But I just, you know, we know Cam's an elite runner. When he's got his hands in the football and he's running, um, he was an elite runner. Is he now? I don't know at 31 years old. But what I do know about Cam Newton is that for his entire career, he has not been an elite passer from the pocket. Right. Nor do I think will he ever be. Yeah. So how are they going to make this work offensively? Once again, on my notes, I've got wide receiver who. You've got uh, Nikhil Harry. Okay, he needs to take a step. Mohamed Sanu who? He came over in the trade. Where was he? Yep. I didn't see him. Yep. Um, wasn't used, wasn't targeted, nothing. And you've got a old, banged up, beat up, a lot of miles on the tires at in Julian Edelman. Um I just, I just. Yeah, really you want know, Edelman. Edelman's going to be a key factor. Listen, he's he's Steve Smith esque, right? You got to yeah. look at it. Cam Cam had lots of success with Steve Smith. Now again, we're talking age difference in that, but he did have, you know, he did yes. have success with there. And I think Cam can can utilize Edelman, provided Edelman still has a little bit left in the tank. Um, that's why I have him where they have where I have him. I, I think Cam can steal a couple games, but I, I just don't see Cam taking them to a playoff. Uh, team and arguably fighting for the division. I just just don't see there's enough there for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got him at the same. I had him at a eight and eight, um, and just taking a step back. I just don't see enough there on that roster to um, stay competitive in a tough division and with a real tough schedule going against uh, both West AFC and NFC. Yep. As well. So then you're gonna fight me on this one. Or I'm gonna talk Miami Dolphins. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I, listen. Buffalo's going. I believe Buffalo's going to win the division, but the Dolphins are going to challenge. They, they could be really good this year. Uh, I know we've got Fitz, Fitz Magic back there, but if you look at, I, I love their their offensive um, their offensive guys. I love Brady and Howard out of the backfield. Okay, and they've got a bunch of good young pieces at wide receiver. I still like Parker. Preston Williams is legit. He came he came out last year, and I think he's legit. And yeah. they have a fantastic tight end who's arguably a you know top. Five, well, maybe maybe top ten, top ten, and uh, and um, Mike and uh, Gasicki is what we're going to call him here. I think they got an overall great squad on offense that they can make a little bit of a you know a little bit of a push this year and maybe even next year um, if 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 Tua gets developed. I'm not sold on him. Obviously, we don't even know if he can even play. Period. Um, Van Noy stealing him from their division rival. Big, big defense. Uh, it, listen, they might be the only team that can give Buffalo a run. I think they're going to beat them in week two. Buffalo goes down to goes down there in the heat. Comes out of uh, their one and one. Could be a could be a little bit of a wake up call for the Bills, but ultimately the, I have the Wills the Bills winning the division. Yeah, and, and and on to Miami. You have to like what Miami's done. Um, Brian Flores down there, I thought deserved a couple votes for Coach of the Year last yep. year, taking that roster to five and eleven. Um, I know they beat the Patriots once again in a meaningless game in in the last game of the season, but you know were the Patriots playing for a whole lot? Well, they were, but you know that's to be argued. There's points against that there, but what I love about what Miami did was exactly what you said on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're gonna go ahead and try to, and if it doesn't work, you've got a a journeyman, steady Eddie, backup quarterback in Fitzmagic. But defensively, um, this is a passing league as we know, and and I put their three corners up against any in the league. Yep. You know, you go out and you get Byron Jones from uh, Dallas and give him a huge deal to come over. You already have Xavier Howard, and then you draft uh, Noah, I can't even pronounce the last name, yep. out of Auburn, um, who's a raw young playmaker on that side. Like, they're going to line up against Buffalo's three in Diggs, uh, Brown, and Beasley, and they can actually cover them. Yep. Um, you've got Van Noy who can help um, 
you know, he's maybe not fast enough to spy, but he can help that front seven against Cam, against Josh Allen, um, and I think they'll be competitive. I had him coming in at uh, nine and seven ahead of the Patriots. Okay, yeah, that's exactly um, where I'm at. And second in the division, and yeah. I had as my homer pick of the week had the Bills uh, taken taken top spot. Yeah, I think the best stat with uh, the best stat with the Dolphins is is that Fitzmagic. Uh, as we've talked about this before, but he's got seven children. Golf. In seven different states that he's played, so he's played. I think he's what nine teams now. Yeah, I think we nine teams. Him. He's got seven kids from St. Seven Louis, states. Cincinnati, Buffalo, the Jets, Tampa. Miami, Tampa. Um, it, the list goes on. I'm telling you, I think it's at nine now. He's yeah. he's been a journeyman for sure. Um, let's talk Bills. You know, I mean, eleven and five. That's where I see them. I'm taking both games against the Jets. They're going to beat the Pats. And I have them going one and one against the Dolphins. So five and one in the division, to me that that reeks of uh, of winning of winning it. Last season, going into Pittsburgh on Sunday night, which you were there, and clinching that berth proved to me that they are uh, they are a, a complete team. I think McDurbin and his staff are arguably you know tops in the league. They are a hell of a coaching staff. Um, they are they still have one of the best defenses in the league. You know. I think they're going to be better with a couple of their key pickups that they just had with uh, AJ Klein with uh, Addison. Um, I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with this year. Yeah, and I don't think that's a stretch. You look at where they they were last year, uh, ten and five. Like I said, going into that last week, going uh, head to toe with the Patriots, they had a lead seventeen ten into that third quarter in Week sixteen uh, for a chance to win the division. Um, this team was not that far off last year, and I think they did get better on defense, like you said. Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison coming out uh, with some free agent pickups. Added some depth at linebacker, both um, in three-down play and on special teams. And you've got three head coaches in my mind. You've got Leslie Frazier, you've yep. got Brian Dayball, and you've got Sean McDermott. Uh, that's three head, you know, qualified head coaches in the NFL. I know Dayball hasn't had that experience yet, but yep. um, the only thing that, that made make me take a step back on on my beloved Bills would be the schedule. It is a difficult schedule. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. The, um, That's why I think it's 11-5, uh, you know, 11-5, 10 6 They're going to have to win some of those games, right? There are some some tough West Coast uh, yep. teams coming in that, that are going to be uh, challenging games for sure, and they got a couple more, more primetime games than they've had in how many years? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? right? right. I, I know they got flipped over on a couple of them last year, so yeah. they ended up getting two or three, but... Uh, I, think the, I, think the for, I think for them... With this whole fans or no fans thing, I think that actually might hurt Buffalo as opposed to you talk about Miami. We talked about some of these other teams, Jacksonville, a couple weeks back. Um, Miami might um, be helped because they never have fans, anyways. But for Buffalo, with some of these primetime games and a couple of key ones at home, if, we, if they don't have any fans in the stands, that 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 that's, that hurts, man. Buffalo's a, a they have a good twelfth man. They have a good you know not good. They have a great um, crowd presence there. Yeah, for sure. You know, you got Kansas City coming in uh, on primetime football, and you don't got any fans in the stands. That's a completely different game. Hundred uh, percent. We we know that. Hundred percent. But um, I just think this roster is that deep. I think this coaching staff is that good. Um, is there like, enough ball to be shared, though? Is is Diggs going to suck out? Because if he doesn't suck out, you know, people will argue that I think Beasley and um, Brown they 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 they're going to benefit. They're not going to be hindered. They, they may benefit from this. They may benefit from this if Diggs is is you know lining up against their the top receiver or sorry the top um, defender uh, week in and week out. If Diggs doesn't suck out, man, the sky's the limit for the offense. And and, and anybody that says that that Allen is 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 in the bottom of, of that division as quarterbacks, I don't know what they're they're talking about. We we talked about that at the at the course the other day. He he he's progressed better than better than almost their, that his whole entire rookie class. Correct, and I think what you you love about Josh Allen is that word is he has progressed. It, it has been a consistent progression from when he got thrown in in year one, um, when they didn't even want to have him have him on the field, to um, year two, to year three, and it it's just um, you know it, it does the offense does effectively come down to the progression of Josh Allen. Um, can he connect with these guys and make it work? It will be the key as to how good this offense will be. Yep. But you still got um, Devin Singletary in the backfield. You still got a top ten offensive line. 
Um, you know, you add Zach Moss uh, coming out on the draft, which is just a banger and a bruiser, which yep. they looked for in an old uh, Gore and Mike Tolber. Even though he had a, guys. Moss did have a, have a terrible combine, uh, he was one of the worst combines. I still think he's going to fit well in Buffalo. I, um, I was reading the, all the stats on there as far as speed, as far as everything that goes. He didn't have the best combine, but I don't look into that too much. Uh, just, but I did want to throw that out there. It's the same thing on the defense. We'll flip back to uh, Apenza. You know, he didn't have a good combine either, but I think he's going to fit their system as well. So great drafting by the Bills this year for sure. Yeah, and that's that's what it's all about. That's what we talked about with with Belichick over the years is is drafting guys that fit. Yes. They may not have the best combine. They may not be the, the guy who can jump, you know, 44 and a half inches flat off the ground. Can or, it fit your or, system? Right? Can it fit your system? And, and they're deep up front. So Epines is going to be able to um, just play his role and just fall into that spot. I see him as a Chris Kelsey, Aaron Schobel type of guy. Yep. And then Moss, he's three yards in a cloud of dust. The guy led the the entire college football in broken tackles. And that's not because he's fast and he's shifty. That's because he flat out trucks guys. He trucks guys over, which and is a great compliment to Singletary and, and Yeldon. Right? Yep. The, the, you, you've, you've got it. And I know you're not so high on the, the, the running back as far as being the, the game changer, but having three very, very serv- serviceable guys is going to be huge. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great little breakdown uh, between uh, Sal and us of the AFC East. Uh, I know some people will call us a little bit of a homer picks there, but uh, we're just reading the tea leaves out. So, Dutch, let's go to break. Uh, when we get back, we can uh, fire into a little bit of NHL talk. They finalized the Hub Cities and uh, the PJ Tour, the talk of the town. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Perfect. Enjoy the break, listeners. We'll catch you on the other side. It's not Starsky and Hutch, it's Ginger and Dutch. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Uh, Don't forget uh, to watch uh, our weekly challenge here on all social media outlets. Uh, Dutch took me to school on the diamond. He only hit one dinger. Um, I struggled, but uh, I think he had a Dutch pitcher in there. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Ginger and Dutch one. And that's the number one. You can follow us uh, the whole way through. We've always got some fun stuff going on there, so keep up to date with that. All right, Dutch, I'm going to uh, dial up the Blitz here. It's a new segment we're going to introduce on Ginger and Dutch. It's the Ginger and Dutch Blitz. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple topics, and you're going to just fire fire through this as we are a little tight for time on this week's episode uh, with the great interview we had with uh, Buffalo Bills sideline reporter and beat writer Sal Capaccio. Um, so let's uh, let's get into it. A couple topics: NHL, Hub Cities. Well, we were Finalized. right. We were right. I mean, we didn't full out say it, but Toronto, Edmonton, it, it makes sense. There's most Canadians out there. Um, it's safe. They've got a great setup in Edmonton. They've got a pretty good setup in Toronto. They're going to be using the exhibition area. They're going to be doing all the hotels uh, that way. So they're going to keep them in a in a tight knit bubble. Um, let's hope it works. What, thoughts? Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, I was not sold on Edmonton uh, on last week's epi- episode, but after digging a little bit deeper and and getting in there a little uh, um, a little stronger, um, Edmonton's a great setup. They got the new rink. Everybody loves it uh, from a player side. Hotels right attached to it, six hundred and fifty-five rooms. They don't even have to really even go outside that's in right. Edmonton, so it's perfect. C and E. I'm a little skeptical as to how all that's going to play out. Um, I understand that they have the. Uh, facilities and the infrastructure down there to make it work, um, but would want to know a little bit more about uh, the logistics, the flow, and how that's going to work. And, but we're safer. We're safer than the states right now. Let's face it. And I don't want to pick on the states, but we're safer in the states. My turn. Hot topic. FC Dallas bowing out of the MLS tournament. We had Zavaleta on last week. Nine players and a coach test positive. The show's apparently still going to go on. You think that would happen if it was NBA? Or NHL or Major League Baseball, what happens if, if the Raptors all and they bow out? Do you, they have to shut the season down? No, nope, I don't think so. No, I, th- I okay. think I think we're in a whole new world here. Okay, and an uh, unprecedented. We've been saying it all along in this pandemic. Unprecedented territories. Um, I think that that there, this is just going to be um, a part of the process. Players are going to be so even if a big okay, go on finish. Yeah, players are going to play even if it's big. Even if it's big, uh, players are going to be. Quarantined if they test positive um, for two weeks, they'll have the back-to-back negative tests, and then they'll be brought back. I think this is just a part of the process. I think it means so much to all of these leagues um, from a financial perspective that 
This is just part of the process. So it doesn't matter that Oladipo's out. Doesn't matter that Price, Posey, some of these guys are are, are done. I mean, obviously LeBron's going, but I mean, if LeBron said I'm not playing, do you, does that change? They're still playing. They're they, still okay. playing. The show right. goes on. Uh, nothing touches the shield, and I think all the leagues are going with that approach. Okay. And um, they're they're still playing. Okay. All right. Last one on a rapid uh, blitz here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast new segment. I'm going to end it off. Dutch, I know you were uh, you were fired up about it. Uh, the PGA Tour, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, what do you think? He's the man. We could see something special. He finally figured it all out. He finally got that short game working. There's a, there's another W. Seven starts, over $3 million in earnings, and obviously <laughs> winning last last week. You cannot... There's there's nothing right now. He is. They're, they're talking about DeChambeau-proofing golf courses, like back to Daly, back to Tiger. Is this this kid could be around for a long time? He, he has a little bit of issues with uh, we are talking about it about power and, and longevity with that golf swing. But man, oh man, he is the hottest topic on golf right now. Hottest topic since Tiger Woods. You nailed it out of the ballpark there. Um, it's we've never talked about somebody like this in golf for a long time. I know Rory and uh, those boys, um, Spieth, and they, you know they had their their shining moments, but. I, maybe it's because all the uh, the spotlights on golf right now. The other sports haven't gotten going, but he feels like he's the talk of the sports world right now, and rightfully so. And it's great to see yep. as golf professionals, we're excited about that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna fire in uh, three uh, little picks here, Dutch. Don't worry, I'll pick somebody that actually plays in the golf. Yeah, yeah, you you blew that uh, last uh, week. I did like my Hovland pick, and I almost ate I almost ate my words on on who was better, Hovland or Wolf, because Wolf came second last year. But Hovland's cashing. He was T12 this this last week. He was T12. I think he's doing great and as i predicted before you throw your uh, your names in there bang you're live on gnd i was the first guy to say this that i told you there was going to be no fans at mirrorfield in two weeks from now there won't be fans for the rest of the season in in golf yeah you did nail that bang on there's no arguments here i think they're doing the right thing there uh why bring uh fans in on 20 percent, 30 percent capacity just not worth the risk um we're gonna fire out ricky fowler Hideki yep. Matsuyama always plays well. And uh, we're going to go, since it's been a Homer Buffalo Bills episode, we're going to go Homer Canadian and uh, showed some form. Great final round last week. We're going Adam Hadwin nice. as, my, as my three picks. Nice. As we always do, I'll let uh, Dutch close it off. Dutch, any um, final thoughts for this episode here? Another great one. We appreciate you all listening. Hope you enjoyed our special guest. That's all from me, Ginger. So signing off for the Ginger and Dutch podcast, thanks again. I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.